You're listening to Faith at Work, brought to you by airaccountant.io. Outsourced controller and bookkeeping services. Now to our host, Carl Grant. Welcome to Faith at Work. I'm Carl Grant here with Ben Ebenezer, Vice President of Blue Venture Investors. Thanks for joining us, Ben. Thanks for having me, Carl. Appreciate it. You bet. So, Ben, tell me a little bit about your work at Blue Venture Investors. Sure. Blue Venture is a uh, venture capital investment firm here in the Mid-Atlantic, just, just, just down the road in Tyson's Corner. We invest in early stage companies at the seed stage, Series A. Um, we have over 50 portfolio companies deployed about 54 million now over the last eight years. So that would probably frame us in a micro cap type VC. We're unique in that uh, rather than having a dedicated fund, our investors were all founders themselves, and they, they were primary capital, so they um, invest out of their own pocketbook. And so we, we take great care with all of our investments, and I work on the investment team. You, you positioned it as a, a venture capital fund, right? The, I, I don't know how many of our, our listeners understand the, the venture capital world, but when I think of a venture capital fund, I think of a, a, a committed fund, you know, that right. you, you've uh, raised 10, 20, Fifty, hundred million dollars, and then you have that capital, and then you invest it in companies, and the capital is called over uh, a period of time. Right. I, I think of Blue Venture Investors as more of an angel group. Is it? Is that no, right? and and that's fair. And so when when people ask me, I kind of uh, explain the model as a hybrid between an angel group and a venture capital group. So we're not a fund. We're not a venture capital fund, but in a lot of ways, we behave like one in how. Um, involved we are with our companies and the level of diligence that we do. But you're right, it's, it's you know, by technical definition, an angel group. And then, so, we're, we're show is broadcast on a religious uh, radio station and a Christian radio station, and it's right. a, a podcast as well. And so, when we're talking about angels, we're not talking about the, the angels in heaven. We're talking <laughs> about angels that invest money. These are, these are rich men and women, right, uh, that, that in, invest right. money. And so, if you're a startup founder and somebody wants to invest that first $100,000 in your business, you call that person an angel, is that right? You, you call that person an angel, and you know, it, so, sometimes there's a connotation between angels and sharks out there, right? And so you you, you try and stay on the friendlier side of things. We're, we're certainly a founder-friendly firm, but right. And you guys, I mean, your your members are, you know, the, I think of them as having some deep pockets. Uh, you know, when I think about when I'm going to send, a, and I work in the startup world, if I, if I meet a, a promising startup and I'm thinking, you know, who can invest in this? They want to raise $500,000. You know, it's not every person out there that can write a check for $500,000. I, you know, I think of you as, as having members that can write checks that size. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. Our group um, writes checks between, you know, maybe four hundred and nine hundred thousand dollars and $900,000. And we, some of our companies, we invest more, some, some less. Um, but yeah, our, our group certainly has deep pockets. We, we like to look at it as more than contributing capital because every one of our founders, rather than just pure investors. I don't think we have a single investment banker in the group. So every one of our um, principals were founders themselves. They're entrepreneurs. They've, some of them are, you know, on their third or fourth startup, but they have all built companies, built teams, built products, taken those to market. And yeah, they're in a position now to where they can, 
they can contribute capital, but they also like to really get involved and, and help new founders out. So now I want to know how you got into this. I, I see that you went <laughs> to, to Harvard, you went to Georgetown, you went to some great schools, but but you were in telecommunications for a while, then you did right. consulting, and how did you find yourself uh, picking the winners and losers? Yeah, this is, so it's it's a circuitous path, and I'll so I'll just I'll, I guess I'll briefly go through it. Uh, you know, coming out of school, I cut my teeth in sales at AirTouch Cellular, which is which is the predecessor, at least on the West Coast, to Verizon Wireless. So my plan was to work there for six months and pay off some credit card bills from school. That was actually what I thought. I, I remember seeing a burrito stand that was coming up, and it was one of my favorite spots in, in California. And, I, and, it's, and it said, like, coming April of you know, 2000, and I thought, I'll never be here long enough to even see that. And uh, lo and behold, I was there for, let's see, uh, seven different titles, uh, working across nine different uh, markets over 10 years. So... I wore a lot of different hats. It was a great experience, but did everything from sales to working in call centers, as, as, as you mentioned earlier, um, retail, uh, running retail stores, uh, loyalty and retention marketing. So I kind of wore a lot of different hats in the organization and really kind of cut my teeth and grew up there. But yeah, at one point it was time to move on. Uh, it was during the Great Recession, and I found myself thinking about, okay, what's next? And it was during that time, kind of coming up in sales, you always have this mentality that you, you know all the answers. And you know we were always getting shot down by the finance guys. They always seemed to hold the purse strings and have all the answers. And I thought, you know, well, during this time as I'm figuring out what's next, let me at least figure out a little bit more about finance. So that started more of a self-education and that led to night school, which led to a master's in finance and then an MBA. And so, and along that path is how I discovered um, working in venture capital and working with entrepreneurs. It was that was probably where I wanted to go to is, is, is towards a startup company. But by the time I was in my MBA, I had one kid already with me, one on the way, and uh, you know, eating top ramen and sleeping on a couch somewhere was no longer a viable path for me. I had to. I had to figure something a little bit more steady out. So this was a way to actually stay close to the startup community and early stage founders. And I get to work with new people every day. And yet I still get to put food on the table <laughs> at, 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 you know, every night. So. Well, so in addition to knowing you from the business community, yeah. I've, I've bumped into you in the, in the faith community, but I don't know your mm-hmm. story. How did you come to faith? I was born in a Christian household. So my, my parents were believers and they immigrated from India. Um, shortly before I was born. I could probably go into that a little bit in that, um, you know, what Christianity I think represents somewhere between 2 to 3% of the population in India. So still a very small subsect. Um, India's a very religious country. Um, My parents both had interesting conversion stories. Uh, On my mother's side, actually, it was a missionary who had come to India, um, fairly well-known. You've probably heard of her, Amy Carmichael, an uh, Irish missionary. Um, this is a few generations back. And my great-grandmother was raised by Amy Carmichael. She started an orphanage for young girls who, at the time, um, there was orphans, you have to remember, you know, 100, 150 years ago, didn't have much place to go. Um, and so she started raising these young girls and raising them as her own, of course, imparted her faith on them. She was called to India at an early age, and she lived the rest of her life and died there. And my grandmother, great-grandmother, excuse me, was raised by Amy Carmichael. Um, and when she finally was married back into the family, she was, the, the rest of the family was around, but they just couldn't raise her because her parents had passed away. 
So she was married to a Hindu man, but um, over the course of their marriage, she she had, I think, 11 children. She raised all of her children as Christians. And by the end of his life, her she, her husband had come to know the Lord as well. That's a great story. My great-grandfather. Yeah. So, so and how, you know, so you take this faith forward. You, you, you had this faith, I, I, I take it, going off to Harvard. Uh, you know, I don't know what that was like. And then... Uh, into the work world, how, how, how do you integrate your faith into your, your work life? Yeah, you know, um, you know, as you called me about that, I, I thought about that for a bit. And, and I can tell you, this is one where I, I, I go back and say, well, your, your faith in your work life, in your home life, it, it, it's, it's really one faith, right? So it starts at where you are with your home life. I, I guess I can recognize that when I'm really you know, kind of tuned into the spirit and, and kind of following where the Lord is leading me, it really helps to integrate that into my work life. And I, I would say that that is being an example, you know, um, you know, you should, people should look around at believers and recognize that there's something different in them. There's something different in how they behave or in the decisions that they make, or just in their compass is a little more finely tuned. And what is that about them? And so I try to, you know, integrate that on, uh, I guess, I let me take one more step back, is that that great-grandmother that I spoke of, she, one, one of the things, I only have one memory of her as a young boy, um, when we, we would spend our summers in India, and I remember her teaching us how to pray, and she always imparted on us that we should pray without ceasing, right? This is just one of those things. So I just kind of developed that. I, I, you know, I, I don't know if everyone does this, but really, as I'm driving to work, that's what I'm I'm doing. I'm I'm not listening to the radio. I'm talking to the Lord. I'm kind of preparing for my day. Yes, I'm thinking about the meetings that I'm going to have and the folks I'm going to interact with. But I'm really trying to center myself in. Okay, what 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 does the Lord have for me today? Um, and it can come up in certain conversations. I I'm not out there putting the Bible on my desk and preaching it at work. That's that's not how I view it. But there have come opportunities because of that, where the Lord says, hey, you know, maybe you should, uh, you know, I, I just am waiting and listening for the Lord's calling in, in any specific moment. And there have been opportunities to speak to folks, whether it's on an informal basis or sometimes on a more formal basis where people are asking me and saying, okay, so tell me more about that. You mentioned that you did this this weekend and, and t- tell me about what is it about your faith? And we'll get into those conversations. So I, I guess just really centering myself in the Lord on the way to work, on the way back home, while I'm eating lunch, pretty much at any time. Well, I don't think it's strange because I, I do that too. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I find if uh, I pray before I send an important email, that yeah. it, you know, right. or, or, or we right. rely on technology to do so many things for us and you're, you're wanting something to work and maybe it's not working, I didn't pray. And, <laughs> and amazingly, you know, technology seems to work better with prayer. It is incredible. No, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. From technology to, yeah, like you said, interactions, right? When there's a, hey, I'm, I need to communicate with these two or three different groups and get them on the same page. And I don't really quite know the answer here. It's, well, hey, take a minute. Just take a step back for a sec before that email goes out and kind of ask the Lord, what's the next step? And I'll find myself tweaking emails, like, like you said. I'm sure you have too. And, and amazingly, wow, it's, you know, it has led to the results are too many to, you know, just go down the list. But yeah, it, it, I continue to see that the Lord validates that focus on prayer. So uh, towards the end of these interviews, I, I like to work in God's sense of humor. Do you think God has a sense of humor? So, yeah, you, you know, when you asked me that question, I wondered, yeah, I, of course he has a sense of humor. But then as I started to think back, okay, what, 
are there really evidences of that in scriptures? And I started to kind of take a more analytical approach to it. Um, I w- I would say a you know the you know thinking about how the Lord tells us uh, Christ tells us um, to come to the Lord as children, right? Kind of put your mindset there and and do not deny these. And I think of my kids, and you know my daughter. Um, it's a negotiation with everything with her. And she repeated back to me something which I know she picked up from me, which you know, I, we were in a debate about bedtime and I'm trying to go back and forth between, uh, you know, hey, honey, I'm, I'll come back and check on you in, in 10 minutes. She says, no, eight minutes. I said, no, 10 minutes. <laughs> and, and, then she, and then I say, fine, eight minutes. And then she negotiates down to five, right? And so it's just this... You know, I, I think Jim Gaffigan once called it a reverse hostage negotiation with your kids at nighttime, right? So finally we get to the end of it. I'm like, man, you really you really know how to negotiate here. And she says, you know, Daddy, you get what you negotiate. It's like what you always say. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. So I kind of look back and I realize, you know, I look, the Lord was man and the Lord was God. So, you know, he has a sense of humor, I'm sure. Or we do, so I'm sure he does too. Thank you very much. Ben Ebenezer with Blue Venture Investors. I'm Carl Grant with Faith at Work. Please follow us on Facebook at Faith at Work Radio and subscribe to our podcast at Faith at Sign Work on iTunes and all major podcasting networks. Yes, I gotta have faith. You have been listening to Faith at Work with Carl Grant, brought to you by airaccountant.io.